Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Virginia Tech sports. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. It is Thursday, September 8th, and we are talking Hokies ODU recap. Unfortunately, the Brent Pry honeymoon is over, uh, but we'll talk about that. Uh, we're also going to look at week one in the ACC. We're going to look ahead to week two, preview the Boston College game. It's going to be a good show, but before all that, Tim, what's going on? Just hanging out. Uh, got a little soccer on in the background, which I need to mute. Um, but getting ready for hey, a fantasy football that. draft here in a little bit. So yeah, yeah, it's, stay it's tuned. Final. Next yeah. week, you can find out which running back to expect a major injury from on week one based on who I select. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's tune in. Well, you are wearing a Panthers jersey, so you're used to running back injuries. Oh, yes. Yep. I'm used to running backs made of glass, baby. Yeah, I'm looking forward to week one. Um, my brother's coming into town. We're going to the Titans-Giants uh, game at uh, Nissan Stadium oh, cool. on Sunday. So pretty uh, pretty jacked up about that. It's going to be a good season. Uh, confident in the Titans. Confident in the Packers. We'll see what happens. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be a fun one. I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers does without uh, Devontae Adams. I'm curious. I mean, he's going to ball out because he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But I do think the Packers go run heavy this year because they've got two really good running backs. That they do. That uh, that they they have in their arsenal, and we'll see what happens. I mean, not having Devontae is going to hurt. I mean, it would hurt any team, but it's not like, you know, they don't know what life without Devontae is. He's been hurt a few times over the years, and they've done – just fine without him, but oh, look, it, it, it will like, make it more challenging. No it doubt. looks like Romeo Dobbs is looking like our first ballot Hall of Famer in, in camp. So what more could you we'll ask see. for? Well, well, we know how that turns out based off of rumors <laughs> exactly. that were coming out of the text camp. So we'll we'll wait and see <laughs> until we want to anoint, anoint that. But let's not start with Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't want to start on that note. Let's just talk about week one of the ACC in general, Tim. So... Uh, really kind of the week, week one, shouldn't say the season because of week zero, but week one got kicked off with Pitt, West Virginia. Really good game. I don't know how good either of those teams are going to be, but uh, it was entertaining nonetheless. I really thought like Pitt outplayed West Virginia in the first half and then West Virginia outplayed Pitt in the second half until that pick six, which really kind of turned the game around into Pitt's favor. But, um, you know, it was... Um, Fun, fun way to get it started. I thought it was a week about survival, you know, um, yeah. survival and surprises, really. Um, you know, the pit game, North Carolina got down to App State, then got up big and then gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter. I don't know how a team the caliber of North Carolina with the amount of talent they have recruited to the defensive side of the ball can give up 40 points no. to a group five team in no. one quarter not 40 points overall in one quarter yeah that was one of the most entertaining fourth quarters in history though i mean i loved every minute of it um but yeah dre bly dre bly has a lot to answer for based on the way that secondary played yeah well i mean i I guess it goes unanswered because he's had issues since he's been there but yeah Fascinating. I thought the FSU-LSU game was wild down to the end, obviously. That was Sunday night. Again, I don't know how good either of those teams are going to be. I I thought we were watching like two pretty uh, average to below average teams battle it out. But 
Uh, FSU, man, they survive in what was an almost colossal collapse there at the end. And surviving, committing a cardinal sin that I don't understand how we're still doing as coaches in the year of our Lord 2022. Why are you running a toss play on the two-yard line in that position? Just don't do it would be my suggestion. Maybe don't do it. That'd probably be a good suggestion. Um, Probably something that Mike Norvell will uh, take. But... Yeah, just a, a wild finish, and then LSU drives down the field, basically 98 yards, scores the touchdown, misses the extra point, and I mean, just watching Brian Kelly have to go through that on the sideline was reason enough to celebrate for me personally. Oh my gosh, there's um, no better person that could happen to. Please tell me you saw his media availability today and how that started. Oh yeah, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? Are you well, talking it about? It may have the, been. It may have been yesterday. And we'll show up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Golly. Where he's, that, that was he's perfect. kind of like joke around, but he wasn't joking. Like he was very no. serious. Like he was that the media was funneling in late. Yeah. Um, and he's also pissed off that they lost. Right. And he just, you can just see like that angry elf culture just like start to <clears throat> just well, rising up, up. And, and through his eyes coming out. Well, it's funny and because then, that foghorn leghorn accent dried up real quick. He was back to old yeah, mid- Midwestern Kelly over there, you know. Just shooting yeah, zingers. Guess he ain't from the south anymore. No, he and his family yeah. must not like it too much in LSU right now. And then NC State. I mean, that was a close call. East yeah. Carolina win by one. I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming, but maybe they, they should have. Maybe they should have. Um, going to Greenville is never easy for NC State. It's never easy for really any ACC team, if we're being honest. Um, Dowdy Ficklin yep. Stadium, one of the best atmospheres for a group of five team, I think, in the nation. Um, they bring it. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, your first game of the year going into a hostile environment, not easy. Devin Leary didn't look like Devin Leary at all, not even remotely close. Um, and the game shouldn't have been that close. NC State got stuffed on the goal line, I believe, twice there uh, towards the end of the game. But, hey, when you play conservatively – uh, things come to bite you in the ass, and I thought Tim Beck's game plan overall was way too conservative, showed way too much respect to ECU's defense, and that's a theme for later in the show. Um, I guess the other highlight was Duke shut out Temple thirty nothing. Like I, yeah, I mean Temple must be really bad, but you know, yeah. shout out to Duke thirty nothing victory uh, to kick off the. Um, Blanking on the coach's name, Elko era. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Syracuse. I mean, <laughs> destroys Louisville, thirty-one-seven. Right. I mean, what what was that? How did how did that happen? When I saw that score, I was like, "You've got to be. This must be a typo. This is yeah. an error." Yeah. So. Um, I agree. I mean, is this the start? I guess this is either the start or in the middle of Scott Satterfield's heat seat starting to warm up a little bit. I mean, that can't be uh, that can't be something that Louisville fans like to see at this point in time, because going in Dino Baber's seat felt really, really hot. So I was going to say either that or Dino just likes to go on like a four year cycle where he just boom, wins 10 games every four years. Yeah, that works. 10 games, the next three years combined and then wins 10 games again. So, Hey, I mean, works. whatever keeps you employed. If Haley's um, comment can do it, so can he. They lose on the road. We'll talk about that in a second. Boston College loses to Rutgers. Uh, pretty big surprise for me. 
Uh, I mean, absolutely abysmal performance on offense. Um, We'll talk about Boston College in a little bit in the preview, but that to me was a bit of a shock. Rutgers is not good, Mm -hmm. and they're very young. So uh, very concerning if you're a Boston College fan. You know, Clemson, yeah, they look like the exact same team. You know, really good defensively and on special teams. They're at their best when Will Shipley has the ball. DJU doesn't look like he belongs in a Clemson uniform as a starting quarterback, my opinion. Um, but yeah, it looks like they have a quarterback decision to make on their hands. I don't know who's behind DJU or what experience level's there, but you got to think if he continues to play like that, I mean, he can't throw the ball more than two yards down the field. All all they were doing was dinking and dunking. Luckily, their defense and special teams was putting them in prime position to score just multiple times throughout that game. So, yeah. Yeah, no, um, this may surprise you, but they have a blue chip quarterback waiting in the wings. And it seems like the natives are extremely restless for him to get on the field. And who could blame them? I don't know how much of a leash DJU has, especially after that performance. Um, But hey, look, uh, Dabo's a a loyal individual. That's for sure. And his loyalty is very strong when it comes to DJU. At least it, it appears so on the outside looking in. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know how strong it should be. I mean hasn't really done anything no. i mean if you compare it to a few quarterback regimes uh va kicks off the tony elliott area with a 34 17 win over richmond uh they got up like 28 i think it was like 28 6 at halftime they kind of took their foot off the gas it would appear and And then Miami put up a 70-burger against Bethune-Cookman. So uh, Frank Gore Jr. and um, what's his name? Tyler Van Dyke just kind of yep. kind of ripped it up. So that was the ACC. I mean, really, the recap sounds a lot like last season. Um, that was sure my takeaway from the weekend. It feels like the ACC is the exact same conference with the exact same yep. teams and the exact same expectations. So yep, it'll probably like be Clemson's it, last, last man standing at the end. It won't be pretty, but... They'll get there. So, yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I guess we should stop avoiding it. Um, <laughs> Virginia Tech, Old Dominion. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. not um, not the start you wanted. And I, I mean, honestly, it was just an ugly game. It was hard to watch. It was. Uh, I would definitely say the Brent Pry honeymoon. They they got back to shore and, you know, they found that somebody had $150,000 in student loan debt. And now, you know, the arguments are starting. But, <laughs> I mean, I think for me, what, what happened is kind of like we said, you know, it's you, you don't want to open – on the road against a team like ODU. No. Um, to add insult to injury. I've heard the term correctable a lot. And sure, yeah, it's correctable. I mean, you had 14 penalties, which is the second most of any Virginia Tech team since 1987. Uh, you can't, you just cannot lose to Old Dominion. And I mean, it's the second time it's happened since 2018. 
And the more this happens or the more it becomes kind of commonplace, I mean, it's just going to cause like irreparable damage to the brand, to what is Virginia Tech. I'm not, you know, in, in the previous losses to Old Dominion and James Madison and Liberty, you know, stretches over a decade, two of what I mentioned, now three have happened in the last four football seasons. You got to write the ship. That's what Brent Pry is there to do. Now, what I think happened mostly on Friday was just the the perfect storm of new head coach, yep. never before head coach, entirely new coaching staff, top to bottom, except for J.C. Price, new offensive system. You've got four returning starters on offense that are trying to figure out in a real game life situation how to play together for the first time. And it didn't work. And then mix add insult to injury. This is ODU Super Bowl. It's an extremely important game for them because they can beat Virginia Tech. They can sell that inside the program, outside the program. And then you have the relationship to where, you know, like it or not, like he's he's going to know some of what Brent Pride does. So I think you add all of that up, and it's very easy to see and understand. Virginia Tech lost this game. Biggest thing for me, though, was they shouldn't have lost the game. Mm-hmm. As bad as they played, they shouldn't have lost the game. And throughout the football season, throughout the prior coach who was here before us, who was here before Pry, you know, constantly lost games that he shouldn't have lost. So that was the frustrating part. But, you know, you have five turnovers, you have 14 penalties. It's going to be hard to beat Incarnate Word playing like that. It's just not going to happen very often. You cannot do that. You cannot beat yourself. And then just one thing I want to say about playing at ODU. I just It was on display publicly and behind the scenes as to why you should never do that. Yeah. The elevators broke at halftime. Coaches can't get up to the box. The locker room gets robbed. Their facilities are a joke. And you're just like left wondering, like, why? Why are they there? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the what's the purpose? And you yourself in the spot. You didn't notice at the time with the new head coach, everything I just outlined on the road to the shithole. And you put your program up for failure. I mean, those aren't excuses. You gotta win the game, but it just kind of adds insult to injury, and it was just like a bunch of frustration that that boiled over. But five turnovers, one that led to directly to a touchdown watch snap, four interceptions, two were on the quarterback. You could argue two weren't, and they were really bad. The 14 penalties, and then clock management at the end. Yeah, 28 seconds ran off the clock with, with about a minute and a half to go. Yeah, that's not good. That cannot happen. Right. And that's on the head coach. It and is. so there was just a lot of things that you could have pointed to the coaching staff or to the head coach where you're like, OK, well, yeah, correctable term of the week that I'm kind of. But I mean, it needs to be corrected and never happen again, like just mistakes that cannot happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be 
positive poly over here and, and try to pull a silver lining out of nothing. But you're correct on all fronts. I mean, the offensive line looked like an offensive line that was learning a new system and hasn't gelled. Um, the wide receivers created zero separation against ODU's corners, and that should concern you greatly. I think that was one of my biggest concerns going into the season was that wide receiver room. When you look at you know walk-ons at the top of the depth chart, maybe athleticism lacking in that room a little bit. Um, that being a worry, becoming a reality at ODU. Uh, and then you get to the point where, yeah, you've got so many penalties you can hardly see straight. That is what makes this loss frustrating, is how winnable it was. However, the longer that I've had to sit on this, you don't just change culture overnight. This culture has been building and brewing in this program for three to four years, this losing culture, specifically losing to teams of ODU's caliber. It's going to take a lot of work from Brent Pry to get this where it needs to be on many levels, right? You've got the talent level, which we're digging out of a hole uh, left by the previous staff in regards to recruiting. Um, and player retention. We're dealing with a new scheme being installed. And when you look at the scheme that was being run, if you talk about Brad Cornelson, um, he didn't let the quarterback make decisions on a read option. So we're starting from scratch with a lot of these guys. We're, we're putting in the foundation right now. It may have been a little naive of us to go in there and expect to dominate the football game, I don't think that this roster is in a position where they're going to be dominating hardly anyone this year. Um, and I think we we got too hyped up on the culture thing being corrected because Brent Pry has said all the right things and he's doing all of the right things. But when you when you get down to it, it's going to take a lot of time to get that culture corrected. Um, and, and look at the guy who unfortunately got picked on again on the last pass. I believe it was Dorian Strong again. And how many times did he get victimized last year in that same manner? You, you just don't fix it overnight. Yeah. When I talk about the silver lining, one of the instant impacts that Burton Pry can provide is defense and coaching. That was one of the best hokey performances on defense that I can imagine in quite some time over the course of three to four years. You want to talk about schematically? They were great. We missed a couple more tackles than I would like, but the players were in the position to make the plays. Um, and Dax Hollifield had a well of a whale of a game. What can lead to probably better... the best game I've seen Dax oh, potentially no ever play. No question. Which was positive. Yes. Um, these can all lead to really good things in the short term. That defense is going to keep Virginia Tech in the game no matter who they play. My questions remain now on the offensive side of the ball for obvious reasons. Um, and it starts with Grant Wells at quarterback and his decision making, which has to be better. But and again, I don't want to be the guy that is just finding silver linings. But, Justin, Grant Wells did make some pretty darn good passes. I, I see a good quarterback in there. And these errors are wholly correctable. If, if you can't correct a quarterback yeah, throwing I mean, into an out into press coverage, why are you even, even coaching at that point? I mean, Brett, Brett Favre was a good quarterback, one of the greatest of all time, NFL record for most interceptions in a career. So I think the thing with Grant Wells is he's proven that he throws interceptions. Yes. He's played 24 games in college football. He's got 26 picks. So that. that's just something that we're going to have to deal with. You yeah. know, so he's going to turn the ball over. That's fine. But he does have to be more consistent. What I what I didn't understand was, I think it was the first two interceptions. I've lost track of the order. But, I mean, they, they were just 
so off the radar of to who it could have possibly been to. I mean, you could you could argue like, oh, you know, maybe a receiver ran the wrong route. It, it was so egregious. I mean, I hope that was the case, but I kind of doubt it. Like those those are my issues. Like if you're trying to fit it into a tight window and you throw a pick, okay. If you if you miss a receiver by 20 yards and it, it's on the opposite side of the field of where your closest target is, like that doesn't make any sense to me. So that can't happen. But yeah. to your point, defensively, thought the team looked really good. You know, to lose a game and only give up one defensive touchdown is is hard to swallow. The fact that that defensive touchdown came with basically you know less than 90 seconds in the game remaining, uh, even tougher to swallow. Yeah. I think that was the the hardest thing because like he just felt like when ODU got the ball, you're like, here we go again. I know how this story ends. And again, that has nothing to do with this coaching staff, but that's just what has been going wrong inside of this program for the last decade plus now. So yeah. it's just frustrating because the team should have won the game. The defense played really great for the most part, the entire game. They only averaged allowed 2.5 yards per rush, but then when they had to step up and stop the other team, they couldn't do it. Right. That throw that Wolf made at the end on the play that Strong got beat on. I mean, I watched it like seven times. I'm like, how did this happen? Like he got absolutely annihilated, throws up a prayer, and it just hits the receiver. It's just like, again, it goes back to the Super Bowl. Things like that happen. When you're a team that has nothing to lose, and it's just like it just didn't break for the Hokies on Friday night, and it it's that's that's it. I mean, it just yeah. didn't break. You turned it over five times. You had 14 penalties. Yeah, you're gonna lose, and so that's that's just kind of what happened. That's my takeaway. Like I don't really have anything else to say about the game. I thought I, Keyshawn I, King oh, played really well. We should yes. mention his name. Please. Do. Um, he was like the lone bright spot for me offensively. Yes, I thought there were some things that Wells did good. I, I liked his ability to get out of the pocket, but for me the biggest thing was uh, Keyshawn King and uh, what he brings to the offense, both as a runner and as a receiver, too. He made some nice plays in the, the passing game. And I thought Blumberg provided a nice spark at the end, too, Yeah, which I think it was the only time he got on the field was when we're trying to throw Hail Marys, and he probably made the catch of the game, but no he got hit out of bounds. So. Yeah. Before we move on, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on Tyler Bowen's offensive game plan. What did you think? Because I've got a pretty a pretty firm takeaway, at least the best takeaway I think you can with one game of film to look at. But what was your thoughts on, on what Tyler Bowen was trying to do offensively? Well, I mean, I thought they started pretty conservative. Um, and I think that was probably their plan to to do that for the majority of the game until they couldn't really do that anymore. Um, I would have liked to have seen it a little bit more balanced, I guess. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't really know what we were doing with Wells. Like, it just seemed like the passing game was kind of all over the place about what the approach was there. Um, yep. so that, that was probably my biggest takeaway. I thought we did well running the ball. You know, I'd like some of the, the calls that we made for Wells, but like, there just didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what we were trying to do against them from a from an aerial perspective and that that was my takeaway and here's my I, i'm not going to cast aspersions on tyler bowen's first game i'm not going to say he's a bad offensive coordinator or anything really close to that what, what makes me curious is we know what kind of court we knew what kind of quarterback grant wells was coming into this right aggressive gunslinger we knew that 
if if we are going to continue to run a conservative ball control offense with a limited vertical passing attack, why are we starting Grant Wells? Why not start a game manager? I mean, he's he's probably the best option at this point. Like, is he? I mean, because I mean, to me, if you, think you get a game to... manager in there, and, you, and you're looking at a better situation because the one thing that can kill that game plan is turnovers. If you're not going to yeah. let the guy throw the ball, I don't know why he's back there. I mean, to me, it would make more sense to have a game manager quarterback that could keep <clears> drive sustained, make the short and intermediate passes that you want, but not kill you with mistakes. And to me, it looked like that was our game plan offensively because outside of that vertical shot to Caleb Smith in the first quarter, we really didn't go back to that well. And right. that's that's the, what I want to watch for moving forward is are we going to see an evolution of this offense to be tailored around Grant Wells's good traits? And he has many good traits. Or are we going to see a reductive, conservative game management type offense? And if that's the case, I'm not sure we're running the right personnel at quarterback. But then again, we're not going to know anything right now. That's not me saying I know anything right now. I just didn't see right. the personnel lining up with what we were trying to do on the field. I would have loved us to have been more aggressive with a guy like Grant Wells who can really push the ball. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's tough in week one, especially when you're playing an opponent that you probably had a pretty reserved game plan for that you then had to kind of change course uh, rather quickly. So it's tough. I mean, you know, teams are going to evolve. They're going to adapt. I think, too, like the receiving core uh, isn't quite 100 percent, you know. True. Caleb Smith got Very banked true. up. So and you've just got a bunch of young guys and guys that are new to the offense. So I think these guys just need some time. I mean, honestly, like. You know, I wish they were playing like Rhode Island or something oh. or, or UConn to, to kick off the season. And I think it would have been better. Not to say that like Old Dominion is that big of a step up above those schools. Because, sure. again, they started last season one and six and they finished hot. But, <clears throat> you know, fact of the matter is Virginia Tech should have won the game. Yes. Easy to come out and say it should have been correctable. Yes. But, you know, I think there's a mix of. You know, there's going to be some growing pains no matter where you look. There's going to be growing pains with <clears throat> Brent Bry's head coach. I think when you look at the clock management situation, that happened because he is calling the plays on defense. Right. And they need to figure out who is going to help him manage the game to watch things like that throughout. There's too much going on at the end of the game, especially when you're trying to hold the other team. That's a and great then point. To also have to watch the clock. Like, you have to have somebody there yeah. that is – Hey, Brent, we need a timeout or go tell the offensive coordinator to call a timeout, whatever it needs to be, you know, whoever's on the field. So, you know, I think that's what week one is about. Learning your first game as the head coach. Those are things I think improve over the course of the season. But, yeah, you know, I think um, I think that's all we for the recap there. Let's um, let's move on. Boston College. Uh, interesting, interesting matchup. You know, I think uh, coming into the season, I felt uh, worse about this matchup. Now I think it's a straight up 50-50. Oh, yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, personnel rookie, you know, Breon Murray is back, um, back from his suspension. So it's assumed he will play in some capacity this week. Jalen Holston has officially been knocked down to number two behind Keyshawn King on the depth chart. Uh, he's also kind of dealing with an injury right now. Alan Tisdale, I think the reason we 
probably aren't seeing more of him right now is because he's not eligible at the moment. So he's battling some eligibility concerns, mm. um, which is why he's probably three on the depth chart. But he's still practicing with the team. He's, he's on the scout team right now. But hopefully uh, they can get that out and he's back on the field sooner rather than later. And then Caleb Smith, uh, probably the biggest thing to note here is a game time decision, most likely, uh, just based off of what I've read and heard. Um, just got banged up during the game. So we'll see what happens there. But Boston College, you know, I think the good news for the Eagles is they've got Bill Dracovic and, and Zay Flowers, who's a pretty nice wide quarterback, wide receiver option. I think Zay Flowers is probably one of the best players in the ACC top three receiver in the conference, in my opinion, definitely the X factor anytime you're playing Boston College. The bad news is for BCs, they don't look like a very good football team. No. Um, They had the worst offense in the ACC last year, largely because Dracovic got hurt. And the big concern with BC this year, you say it's the defense or the rushing D, You're not going to say it's the quarterback. You're not going to say it's the receivers. It's the offensive line, and it is a big, big problem. Yes. They have literally lost the entire offensive line from last season. Four of those guys are in the NFL. One of those guys tore his ACL. So they're down to five new starters on that offensive front, and they go into Rutgers last week. And they rushed the ball 29 times for 28 yards. I mean, this is a team that had a thousand yard rusher uh, in Patrick Darwo last year. Yeah. And he had four carries for 25 yards. So, you know, if you if you look at what happened last week, they were able to throw the ball at times. Zay Flowers was targeted a number of times on those on two of those targets. Two of uh, Dracovic's interceptions came along, and I believe Dracovic had a fumble as well. So three turnovers for Boston College, and they just could not put Rutgers away. Rutgers hung around and then ended up with the victory. I think they outscored him 16-7 to or something in the second half. If you look at what Boston College does defensively, they have a really good secondary. You know, their secondary last year was ranked third nationally in yards allowed per game at 173.5 passing yards. They were 16th in fewest passing touchdowns, 27th in completion percentage. They returned most of those guys. They had a couple reinforcements come in. It's going to be difficult to throw the ball against Boston College. So they're going to need to figure that out with Wells and have a game plan around protecting the football. They have a strong group of receivers and tight ends. They have a strong running back. They have a strong quarterback. They've got pieces their weaknesses are a weak offensive line, and then basically their front six. They play a 4-2-5 on defense, okay? Right. They're very vulnerable against the run. Um, they were 92nd last year, rush defense allowed. They gave up 170-plus yards last week to Rutgers. If you look at what Virginia Tech did last week, if you take away the 54 yards they lost on the bot snap, again, I don't know why that counts as rushing yards. Ridiculous. But they would have had about 190 yards rushing. Um, and then Boston College as well ranks 96 in sacks last year. So it's week two. You're going to look at some of those last year statistics. They've got a lot of returning guys. We saw a very conservative game plan against Rutgers as far as the defense goes. You know, the back end of the defense held up. 
You know, I think uh, they gave up 110 yards passing, which is a recipe to win. So it's an interesting group here. I think the other thing on offense to to keep in mind is uh, a change at offensive coordinator. They've also got three new assistants there. Frank Signetti went to Pitt. Uh, they've got John McNulty, who uh, comes over from Rutgers, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, likes to run a lot of RPOs, a little bit of spread. So it'll be interesting to see how you got a new offensive system in there, new coaches, no offensive line. You got a bunch of skill guys on offense. You got a decent quarterback, but you got no offensive line. So um, that's kind of my gist on on Boston College. You got anything to add there? No, I think you nailed it. I just think when you say no offensive line, um, going back, I was watching that game live. It's almost impressive how how poor they looked. But when you consider what they're doing and what they're working with, I get it. I don't expect much of an an improvement on the offensive line from them, but it's hard to say that it could get worse um, based on what you saw in regards to opening up holes in the running game. And with the team that is structured like Boston College is structured, without a running game, it's hard to see them sustaining much success on offense. Um, So on, on its head, you know, from a matchup perspective, when you talk about strength versus weaknesses right now, Virginia Tech's defense bottled up a very good, I would say not very good, but relatively good, especially for the, you know, the SBC, um, Southern Belt Conference, uh, not Southern Belt, Sun Belt, the Sun Belt Conference. ODU was an effective rushing team. Mm-hmm. Very effective. Yeah, they had an 1,100 yard, thousand, thousand yard back. Yeah. You couldn't tell based on watching that film. Mm-hmm. We felt very comfortable in the run game. You've got stoppers in the middle. Dax especially is good in the run game. And scheme-wise, you've got an advantage here because Pry knows what he's doing, especially when it comes to creating creative blitzes to get at the quarterback, to create pressure, to create havoc. That offensive line is going to have its hands full of Virginia Tech's defense. So matchup-wise, this looks great on paper for us. I'm scared to really commit to it and, and you know say full send Virginia Tech's going to win by multiple scores. But the recipe for that result is here right now. It's here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I don't know how dangerous we even look on paper at this point. I, I don't think the paper tells you much about Virginia Tech right now, right? Um, but, I mean, kind of back to what I mentioned about the ACC. BC, other than that offensive line, looks looks very similar to – kind of what they looked like last year um, and they were a team that was very up and down last year because they think they started 4-0 Dracovic got injured lost a bunch of games came back Dracovic wasn't very good at the end of the season so um, yeah it'll be interesting to watch I mean it, 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 each team has a fighter's chance I think um, some of my keys to the game I mean it's not going to surprise you based off of what I what I just gave you on Boston College there uh, they're going to need to run the football yeah. you know as mentioned that's the weakness of the BC defense. They're going to have to attack it, uh, especially after that performance from Wells. Uh, you're going up against one of the better secondaries, maybe the best secondary in the ACC. Uh, this is not the time to to test based off of how last week went, in my opinion. So right. it'll be interesting to watch the game plan. Um, you know, Maybe they work in some more Connor Blumrick. I think they need to get him on the field more. Um, I didn't understand why he wasn't on the field more uh, last week, but um, 
Yeah, so run the football. Hopefully Keyshawn King can can build off of that. Yeah. The other thing on the flip side is I think we may see Pride blitz on 100% of the snaps because he should. He should. <laughs> this, this offensive line is so uneasy, and I think he's going to want to come after Dracovic. I think based off of how the team performed last week against the run and how Boston College performed in the run game, you know, Tech should feel confident that they're going to be able to slow that down. So what does that mean? Next key, last key, contains Zay Flowers. You cannot let Zay Flowers beat you. And he always seems to burn Virginia Tech for one or two touchdowns whenever they play. And he's the game-breaker of this offense. Virginia Tech's offense, I don't know how many points they're going to put up, but they can't afford to give up too many touchdowns. No. He's going to draw the most attention, and hopefully they can pressure Dracovic enough to where they take Flowers out of the game, and, and they got a plan for him in the back end. But um, those are my three keys. I think it's pretty straightforward, cut and dry. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be a, a pretty football game. Um, I'm excited it's at night. You know, I'm very into night games at, at this stage of my life. It gives me more time <laughs> to watch it and less distractions. Right. Um, but, you know— Penalties are going to have to come down. Yep. You know, Boston College only had four penalties last week. So even with all those new faces on the offensive line, they weren't hurting themselves with penalties. They did have three turnovers, though. So, you know, both teams, I think, have some things to work on. I think it's a major personnel issue for Boston College, which is going to be more difficult to overcome. Virginia Tech has their own personnel issues, but it's more in the back end and that two deep, not so much front line. So to me, that gives the advantage to the Hokies. But what I will say, Tim, as far as my prediction for the game, and then we'll jump over into our ACC pick them. Uh, I'm not going to pick Virginia Tech to win until I see it with my eyes. Fair. You know, I, uh, I was surprised they were favored. Um, they started the week at three. I think it's down to two and a half now per FanDuel. Uh, it is Pride's debut. I think the team will come out hot. I think it'll come out, you know, fired up, ready to go. I'm sure they've had a very uh, difficult week of practice. Yeah. Um. I bet they've had quite a bit of film study. I bet focusing on doing the little things. I bet there's been some self-reflection on the coaching staff about what they need to do. Oh yeah. Better. If there's any I mean, accountability, it was a systematic there failure. Yeah, it uh, was. And yeah. I mean, the the thing with Prize, when you listen to him, like, there's accountability. Oh yeah. Like he's he's not beating around the bush i mean he came out and said yeah i lost track of the clock you don't hear coaches say that a lot no you usually hear him say like oh yeah no like you know that was part of our strategy he didn't call a timeout and he's like yeah no i lost track of the clock or just the sound of a crinkling water bottle right exactly um Um, but yeah i mean i want to pick the Hokies. i'm not going to though um i want to see them do it first against a legit opponent um meaning like not wafford yeah um and so hopefully like virginia tech can can get it uh going in the right direction but i think it's gonna be an ugly game i've got 1917 boston college last second field goal to win um okay wouldn't surprise me yeah no i think it will i think it will be a close game i i'm not looking at this with any sort of bias of recent results because that would tell me not to bank on the Hokies winning here. Um, but I, I am. I, the matchups on paper, 
our strengths play into their weaknesses. They have the worst weakness out of all the positional groups that will be on display on Saturday. Their offensive line is the worst positional group out of all of them on both teams. Pry showed me a lot on defense against ODU. I realize that's kind of a joke considering it's ODU, but in all seriousness, ODU has a, a good offense. They returned 10 starters on offense. Right. They have a good offense. And that was one of the things I was worried about going into the ODU game. And I quite quickly realized this was a different ball game when it came to the defensive coaching. I do think this matchup bodes well for Virginia Tech, and I like Virginia Tech by multiple scores here. I'm going to say conservatively 27-17, something along those lines. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was more than that. It, it, this really is a chance where you've got the matchups look good on paper. They look like they're in Virginia Tech's favor, and you know they're going to come out hot trying to get the first win at home in prize debut. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right, and I hope Me I'm too. wrong. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I do hope Virginia Tech can come out, correct the issues, and put on a nice performance in, uh, in Prize first game at Lane, uh, which will hopefully be the first of many and hopefully get Virginia Tech started in the right direction. Uh, and, of course, I don't I just want a disclaimer. Right at home. I don't want you guys out there to think that is a homer pick. I, I don't think that a win of that nature would be – much of a testament to the state of the program or, you know, how we look from a talent standpoint. I just think this matchup in particular, very favorable for the Hokies. Um, and, and that's what I expect to happen. But I don't want you to think that's a homer pick. I think Virginia Hicks is going to go out and run the table after this. I, I understand holding our horses, especially after a result like that at ODU. But, you know, when you, when you just break down the matchups, that's the way I see it shaking out this week. All right, let's move over to the uh, to the ACC Pick'em. Uh, these lines are courtesy of FanDuel. So as of 9-7 uh, earlier this evening. So we just went uh, the BC-Virginia Tech game. So I took BC plus 2.5. You are taking Virginia Tech minus 2.5. Louisville at UCF. UCF Ooh. a 5.5 point favorite. What do you got? Golly, that's a tough one. Vegas usually knows what it's talking about, but that Louisville team was bad. But Malik Cunningham, probably the most dynamic playmaker in the ACC. (sighs) Give me the points in Louisville. Yeah, I'm going to take UCF. I think, uh, I mean... Louisville did this a lot last year. They looked like crap. One they were unpredictable. Blow a team out the next. So you just never know with them. But I figured after a disappointing – was the game at home? I think it was at home. I think it was, yeah. Syracuse going to Louisville and mm-hmm. spank them like that? That was pretty embarrassing. Now they're going to have to go on the road to UCF. Pretty solid program. I'm going to take UCF minus five and a half. Tennessee at Pitt. Tennessee is a six and a half point favorite on the road at insurance stadium name. I can't remember. Generic insurance stadium. So, you know, I think um, here in Rocky Top land, everybody is very excited about the old balls, which isn't surprising. That's pretty standard for this time of year and, and you know, the Rocky Top Nation. But it's the balls year every Very year, similar baby. to last year for me. Very similar to last year to where got the high-powered offense led by Hendon Hooker. It's still a wait and see on their defense, but their defense really has not added much since last year, and their defense wasn't good last year. 
So I think Pitt is going to score some points. I don't know if they'll be able to keep up with Tennessee's offense. I think this will be a shootout. It, it was a pretty high-scoring game last year in ten, at Tennessee. Pitt came out on top. Uh, Tennessee put up 60 last week against Ball State. Ball State was a bowl team last year, but it's still Ball State. Um, I'm going to lean Tennessee here. I think whoever wins, wins by a touchdown. Um, I just, I'm going to tilt, tilt, tip my hat to Tennessee in this matchup. Yeah, no, this one's fairly easy for me. I thought Slovis looked underwhelming, especially on some of his balls. The touch and accuracy just wasn't really there for me. We knew this pit offense was going to take a step down. So when you look at last year in that shootout, you had Whipple, you had Pickett, you had uh, the Blitnikoff winner. There's a lot of differences in that pit team versus this pit team. And I just don't think when you match up those two offenses on paper, the gulf between the two is quite large with what Hennon Hooker is working with in Hypo's yeah. system. So give me Tennessee with the points. Tennessee's going to win by multiple scores. Miami, 24 and a half against Southern Miss. I'm taking Miami. Uh, mm. I think Tyler Van yeah. Dyke and Frank Gore Jr. is an interesting little tandem to it watch is. there in the backfield. Um, I, it's just crazy that Frank Gore Jr. has a kid. He just like, just retired. But um, kid at Miami. I mean, not crazy that he has a kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's see if they continue to light up, put up 70 last week. I think they'll put up big numbers here against the old Southern Miss as well. Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, it's a large spread. I saw Southern Miss play last weekend and they looked good. They look a lot better when they use that retro logo that they've trotted out on their helmets. They weren't all yellow last week. Is it yellow in the morning? Sailors take warning yellow at the night. No, it's like red, right? Red sky. It's red sky. It's irrelevant. Here's what I'm saying. Yellow pants, yellow top. Last week, I'm taking Southern Miss in the points. But it won't be a close game. Wake Forest Vandy. Wake Forest is a 11.5 point favorite. Coming to Nashville, Tim. My my stopping grounds. Should go see the game. Vandy quarterback Mike Wright. He, um... Led the team, led the nation in passing touchdowns coming into last week. Of course, he played in week zero. So just and fun stat out there for you, Vandy fans. But uh, new coaching staff at Vandy, maybe yep. not the ultra pushover they once were. Yeah. Game's worth keeping an eye on. I think that 11 and a half uh, spread was a little bit less than I anticipated, but uh, I think I'm still going to lean wake here. Yeah, it's tough for me, right? So it's, it's Hartman supposed to play this week, correct? I don't know. Is he? I, I know he's well, – I saw he was eligible to return to football activity, but I don't know how quickly slash what kind of rust level we're going to be dealing with. I think Clark Lee is going I to bottle Wake not. Forest up. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, if he is, I like my pick even more. But Yeah, I, I know you do. Give me Vandy and the points on that one. I just okay. – mm, I, I don't know. I shouldn't make that pick. But I'm going to make that pick because I'm reckless. Yeah, there's there's a lot of kind of like weird games this week, like Northwestern Duke. You know, it's a nine and a half point spread. But why does Northwestern always play Duke? They play every freaking year. Is, it, is this a rivalry? I mean, they're two. 
educationally yeah, focused right. institutions. So I don't know. It's, maybe smart. I don't know. It's uh, who knows. right. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go scores better than yours bowl. Northwestern, um, you know, opened up week zero with the win over Nebraska. You know, Riley Leonard looked good for the old blue devils last week, mm-hmm. 328, two scores against temple. Of course, Duke won 30 to nothing. Um, obviously Northwestern, I think is a better opponent than, uh, than temple. I expect Duke to struggle on the road. I'm going to go Northwestern. Yeah, you're making the right pick there. I think Kalinsky looked really good for Northwestern in a way that maybe not everyone expected um, in a conservative way. He's a bit of a game manager, made some passes. They've got a good running game and one of the best offensive lines, I think, in the Big Ten, uh, surprisingly. I, I don't think expect, you know, I don't expect big things at Northwestern this year. I think they're a four or five one ball club, but hard to read into the tea leaves on what Duke did to Temple because Temple is one of those programs that is could be sneaky, absolutely terrible this year. So I'm going to also take Northwestern on that matchup. Interesting line between UNC and Georgia State. Seven and a half points. Wow. Yes. That's that's a it's that a hurts. surprise. I it mean, a surprise. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Tar Heels. Um, but I mean, they they did score 63 points last week. Thing is, they gave up 61. Yeah. You know, Drake May looks like he's going to put up some big numbers. He's already got yeah. nine touchdowns. The problem with UNC isn't the offense; it's their defense. It's right. probably the worst defense in the ACC, maybe in the Power Five. Oh, I would agree. Possibly the country. So that's how bad it looks. With many blue chip players. With with many blue chips. Yeah. Um, also, May leads the team in rushing, which I think after two games isn't a great no, thing not what you want. from your quarterback, especially not when a Lamar Jackson quarterback. Um, I'm going to go UNC, but that line has me awake. Well, look, um, the Sun Belt Conference will get at you, you know, as we found out. As UNC found out last week, um, Georgia State sneaky athletes. Um, you know, I watched. I can't remember who they were playing last week, but they were fairly competitive um, when I was watching the game. And it was, you know, a bigger opponent. Uh, UNC just hard to describe how bad that secondary is. So give me Georgia State on that one. I'll take Georgia State in the points, and more so because I'm hoping Mac Brown loses. Uh, Illinois, UVA. Illinois is a four and a half point favorite. Uh, Tommy DeVito, former Syracuse quarterback, is uh, now leading the Illinois offense. Um, has four touchdowns so far this year. Don't really love either team here. Don't no. really know what to expect. I, I didn't think UVA looked super fantastic against Richmond last week. Uh, Richmond is a upper class FCS opponent, but you know, they do have Brennan Armstrong. I think I'm going to go UVA, though. Uh, yep. I just, I'm, I'm going to go in with the stronger quarterback. I think Brennan Armstrong is a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito yep. has ever dreamed to be. Uh, and so for that reason, I'm just leaning UVA. I'm never, never, ever putting uh, any sort of bet on a team headmanned by Tommy DeVito. Um, money on <laughs> UVA there. UVA and the points. And last game with the spread this week, Syracuse 23 and a half over Connecticut. Uh, I mean, I'll just say it. The Huskies are terrible. Uh, Jim Moore is there. He's trying to right the ship. 
Orange coming off a big 31-7 upset. You know, does Dino have this team rolling in the right direction? Are the Oranges, are they they going uphill or are they going downhill? I don't know. You beat UConn big? I think it's possible for another week. I'm going to go Syracuse, minus 23.5. No, give me the fighting Jim Morris. UConn played well in their week zero matchup. They've got an injury at quarterback, I believe. It's a regional rivalry. It brings out spooky times. So go ahead, give me the fighting Jim Moore juniors. Um, yeah. Done. Okay. Love it. We are very different this week on our picks. So it'll be interesting to see how those uh, how those shape out. So yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's uh, that's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, that's our show. All right. That's our show. That's all we've got here for week one. Uh, you know, better luck to the Hokies this week. Uh, we'll see what happens in the ACC. No, uh, no major, you know, primetime matchup to, to look out for. But um, I think this is where you start to see teams start to figure it out a little bit in week one, week two. You start to see some identity start to evolve. And then, you know, habits, are they going to get worse or are they going to get better? So we'll find out soon. But, Tim, any uh, any final words before we sign off? No, just everybody hanging there with Coach Pry and the boys. I know it's really easy to throw a lot of shade at Brent Pry out of frustration. Uh, I saw some pretty disappointing stuff on the timeline. Um, but just remember, Rome wasn't built in a day. No, no, it sure wasn't. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's kind of uh, crazy to pull the trigger so quickly on on a head coach, especially with everything that goes into that. But, um, yeah, let's uh, – Let's right the ship. Let's watch the Hokies take down Boston College at Lane Stadium. Brent Price debut. It's going to be a fun game, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But until next week, go Hokies, go ACC, and uh, see you guys later. Adios.